is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves toll-free. 800-259-9231. That is the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that's uh, freetalklive.com as we launch into another night of fun and excitement here. Uh, we take your calls about what you want to talk about if you dial in. Again, 800 259 9231. We'll get to an email here in a moment, but uh, some quick numbers, interesting numbers. According to the AFP, Americans are the world's top consumers of cannabis and cocaine despite punitive U.S. drug laws. According to an international study published in the online scientific magazine PLOS Medicine. This better be per capita. The study, released Monday, revealed that 16.2% of Americans had tried cocaine at least once and 42.4% had used marijuana. In second place, New Zealand, just 4.3% of study participants had used cocaine and 41.9% marijuana. So Americans pretty significant in the, uh, the coke-using category. Research was conducted at the University of New South Wales in Sydney, uh, based on WHO data from over 54,000 people in 17 countries. Rates of participation differed from country to country, and researchers noted uncertainty over how honestly people report their own drug use. Certainly, that's uh, going to be a factor. Uh, but nonetheless, how interesting that uh, Americans admit it so widely. Nevertheless, the findings present comprehensive data on the patterns of drug use from national samples representing all regions of the world. A vast majority of survey participants from the United States, Europe, Japan, and New Zealand had consumed alcohol compared to smaller percentages from the Middle East, Africa, and China. The data also revealed socioeconomic patterns in drug use. Single young adult men with high income had the greatest tendency to regularly use drugs. Drug use does not appear to be simply related to drug policy, the researchers wrote, since countries with more stringent policies towards illegal drug use did not have lower levels of such drug use than countries with more liberal policies. What more do you need to know? If you're one of those drug warriors out there that still, for whatever, whatever reason, believes that this war on drugs is accomplishing something... Do you need to look any further than this information? Well, I think that uh, one can make the argument that uh, even though... We're still ahead of the world um, as far as drug use goes, that we would be farther ahead if it wasn't for the uh, drug laws that we have. What's that? I'm sorry. I was distracted one with can some make technical the argument, issues. T- sorry. Um, one, one can make the argument that if it wasn't for um, the punitive you know, you know, the punishments, the punishments, punitive punishments. It makes no sense at all. Punitive punishments that we have um, that our rates would be even higher. You could make that argument, but, oh boy, I think we're having some technical difficulties over here. I apologize for that. We uh, seem to be having some problems with the ISDN line in here. Had a new uh, air conditioner installed today, and it may not be air conditioning quite as much as could be the rain we need it to do. So anyway, punitive uh, punishments. I have no idea when we're coming back or if we're coming back. We will find out here in moments. But yes, you, I suppose you could make that argument, Mark, and then if you want to follow that, uh, that line of thinking, then, well, one would argue that then we should crack down harder. Then, uh, you know, there should be um, greater punishments and, and could, more people should be locked up. You could also look to the example of alcohol prohibition in the United States, which drinking rates didn't really noticeably decline if you, for the first couple of years they did, but drinking rates actually increased during prohibition once the black market got working. 
you saw more people consuming liquor and hard liquor c- consumption went up. So you saw people moving towards more potent drugs, uh, well, the same drug, but a more potent concentration of the same drug being alcohol, and you didn't see rates of drinking go down. So I, I think when you look at prohibitions past and present, you can see that the, the whether something's illegal or not, it really doesn't have that much of an effect on usage. And if anything, it, it prohibition can increase the amount of usage. Well, it's going to have to have some effect because um, if you look at economics, if you put an impediment in the way of um, certain customers, like say, for instance, you put a 50 cent uh, cigarette tax on cigarettes, it's going to affect the amount of people that assume cigarette, that consume cigarettes. Um, you know, it's going, to, it's going to drive it down. Now, I'm not saying it's going to drive it down a great deal, especially when you're talking about something like as motivating as addiction. Um, cigarette addiction is extraordinarily motivating. But some people will quit when that 50 cents is increased, or even if it's not taxes, um, even if it's just cost of tobacco or something like that. It, it, it has an effect, but... Is the effect worth it? I mean, we're spending billions of dollars a year on this, and incarcerating these people—it's—it's it, incredible. And and we're taking all these people out of the workforce, people that have never hurt anybody. Well, I'll I'll agree that there is when you see black market prices, they obviously increase once something's made illegal, and the more strict the penalties, generally the risk premium built into the prices goes up and up. And I think it might affect the amount um, that an individual user might use in, say, a given night. If marijuana was, for instance, 20 or $30 an ounce, you'd probably see people using considerably more at a given time. But I think as long as people have enough disposable income, as far as recreational drug users go, not necessarily habitual ones, I, I think that people are willing to pay pretty, pretty substantial amounts of money for their drugs and it, it would have to be a substantial increase for you to see dr- uh, drug usage rates go down. Right. I think that um, it, what people need to look at is, um, you know, compare vice crimes to regular crimes. Um, and the way that the, uh, the the law enforcement against prohibition um, looks at it, and I think it's it, it's very apt, is if you catch a murderer, the murder rates go down. If you catch, um, you know, actually, if you catch a car thief, more likely, the car um, the, the, the the car theft rates go down. And... But when you, if you catch a uh, drug dealer, the drug dealing rates don't go down. Um, somebody steps right in and starts dealing the drugs in their place because, well, the motivation for money is so high. Um, there's, there's just not that, you know, when it comes to most of the major crimes that people are the most worried about, there's not a lot of money in those. Most of them are done for other reasons entirely. Yeah, but I, I really don't think you're going to see, if you decriminalize drugs or a certain drug like marijuana, I don't think you'd see usage rates go up because Americans are already used to black market prices with their drugs. Mm-hmm. That's the paradigm we're under right now. So I could see how if you you were making the argument that you were going from a completely open market to where there were going to be black market prices all of a sudden, a sudden and dramatic increase in prices might cause some minor reduction in the amount of usage, at least for a while. But I don't think you'd see the reverse happening, where if drugs suddenly became cheaper because they were available through legal channels, I don't think you'd see tons of people going out to start using marijuana and cocaine. I don't think that people are basing their decisions whether or not to try those drugs on the price factor. I, I think you're right. I think there would be um, sort of on a, peripherally, a peripheral level, there would be a certain amount of people that would say, oh, Marijuana's legal. Maybe I'll have some, and, but they, I don't think that they, they're, they're certainly not the hardcore users or anything like that. I don't think you're going to find too many people who are going to say, "Oh, I can go to the drugstore and buy a bag of Coke or whatever, buy a little canister of cocaine," and uh, they're going to use a lot of that. Although cocaine, not that big of a deal, it used to be legal at one point. 
Well, yeah, that, that's the argument that a lot of people make is that if you can buy, say, cocaine at a drugstore, everyone's going to start doing it. But if you usually if you ask that individual if they would use, say, cocaine or heroin if it were legal, if they're being honest and they're not a cocaine or a heroin user, they're going to say no. So I, I really think it's a false argument to say that just because drugs become legal, suddenly people are going to you know, move to doing it in droves. I, I don't think that's really how you'd see it work. Yeah, I mean, the fact is uh, that if people want to get their hands on drugs, it's not hard for them to do, and there's a significant percentage, just the numbers of people that admit to have used just marijuana alone. 42.4% of Americans admit to have used it at least once in their life. I mean, those people obviously weren't dissuaded. <laughs> I mean, are we are we to believe that the rest of you know the other fifty eight percent of Americans out there are just you know frothing at the mouth, waiting for the opportunity to smoke some legal marijuana? It's clear that these people are able to go out and get what they want with no concern whatsoever for what the law. High school students say marijuana is easier to get than uh, alcohol. So we've been experiencing some technical difficulties. You can hear our network popping in and out here. Going to use the uh, the first break here to do a little ironing out. Hopefully, we'll be able to continue with a live program tonight here as we try to get things functioning correctly in the Is studio. Is the stream working? The stream should be working, yes. Uh, but as far as our radio listeners are concerned, they are getting some major interruptions here. We will try to get everything on track and uh, back with more Free Talk Live here in moments at 800 259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and those features include the live streams. We've got broadband versions of the show and dial-up versions as well. Uh, Both are free for you, though apparently I forgot to start the streams today. Just a a whole day of mess-ups here at the Free Talk Live studios. Uh, hopefully our air conditioning unit will keep uh, everything cool here for this segment. We won't have any more problems. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to go to uh, your email box. Mark, you've got something that came in from Jeff. I want you to pull that up here while I tell you about freedom-engineering.com. Chapter 6, Subterranean, Tad Galahad goes to hell. In hell, he finds nanobots, killbots, sexbots, supermodel clones, immortality, and a rocket ride off this pale blue dot. Go to freedom-engineering.com to read it all, or at least all that's been released so far. Freedom-engineering.com. So let's jump into the... Oh, actually, you know what, Mark? We shouldn't jump into the email. Shame on me. We actually have callers here. Let's take them. Uh, let's take the phone calls first, and let's go to Rick in New Hampshire. Rick, you're on Free Talk Live. Hello there. Hey, guys, how you doing? Hey, what's on your mind tonight, Rick? Oh, well, a couple of nights ago, uh, you brought a story about uh, the, the teenage prostitution thing. And one of your callers, uh, who was apparently a, a typical you know, right-wing law and order type, came across with, you know, you'd come out with your story, and he was like, oh, no 10-year-old capable of, of making that decision. And, you know, that, that got me to thinking that, you know, so many people 
Swell. Damn it. Have you, have you heard of Hans Hermann Hoppe's? Uh, I have heard of him. You, you have? Yep. Okay. They're okay. Him, uh, they're a there. Stuff, though. It's called Democracy the God. Well, I'll tell you what. What we can do here, if uh, you guys want to, is you can go into Jeff's email, and I'll let you and Nick handle things here while I go and swap some wires and stuff. Sounds good. Uh, so, Nick, bring you up to speed on this. Jeff uh, called. It's been a week now. I really wanted to read this right away, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's tough here on a radio show. you got people calling in. you got news items that are coming up. So uh, it's been about a week. Um and he called in, and he, he sounded like he was really, um, you know, he was he was sort of upset with me for supporting the Republicans over the Democrats too often, and uh, like I just sort of sound like I lean that way, and I guess I do. I mean, you know, there's there's I guess there's no, really no doubt about that. And in the process, he sounded like he was uh, saying, well, while we still have this paradigm of two parties, we should support the Democrats, which to me just says, um, you know, basically that means that we're going to end up with. Democrats and, you know, we're going to continue, you know, that's just going to continue on that way. Right. He says, I wasn't trying to tout Democrats. I truly think that people um, should think before they vote and party politics uh, um, pre-digests your positions. I was really trying to understand why Mark and um, and so many libertarians buy the Republican line that they themselves aren't tax and spend. You guys seem so peaceful. The way you talk about the government using guns and force is the only new thing that I've heard in politics for 20 years. And he's right. I mean, we've got new ideas. And, um, you know, whereas politics is just business as usual, taking money from people. It always seems diametrically opposed to what Mark says when he defends the rep- his Republican position. Mark says that Republicans kill better. And I did say that, uh, you know, that we were, you know, he was talking about uh you know, Democrats are less likely to be violent. And I said, well, Johnson started the Vietnam War, did he not? Right. I, I think that's kind of a tenuous statement to make. Wilson started interventionist foreign politics, and that was a Democrat. FDR fought World War II. There were, and then Johnson. So, and Clinton was by no means non interventionist either. He so. was in Haiti, um, Bosnia Herzegovina, and, uh, you know, he he sent troops all over the place. He just sent uh, you know cruise missiles into uh, Iraq, but it seems like when Republicans go do it, they go do it on a much bigger scale. Um, at least in, in more recent politics. Well, if you're using the Bush administration as an example, then I would say Reagan yeah. administration. Um, um, you know, he, yeah. Uh, it, so that's you know sort of where I'm going with it. That assumes that the government spending three trillion dollars to travel ten thousand miles and kill people in a third world world country is a good thing. I don't think I said that. Um, if you're going to you know I'm just saying that they were better at killing people. I'm, that does not mean that I think the killing people is good. No, I, I think you can make the argument that if a war was necessary, if you're under the paradigm that we should have a, a government for something, and likely that something at the very least, would be some kind of a national defense or at least coordinating right. militias. And, and it's, it's spent, we spend way too much, as far as I'm concerned, and we're far too well, involved in other, other countries' business. And under, and under the Republican paradigm and the Democrat paradigm that we have right now in mainstream American politics and thought, it, we're not about defense at the current moment. If, but if you were truly having to fight a defensive war, um, I would say, you know, I might lean towards saying Republicans would generally fight it better, but then again, that depends on the individual politician. I mean, 
politicians are individuals. And right, and I don't think that saying that uh, you know the, the saying that Republicans kill better assumes that uh, killing people in a third world country is a good thing. I can say that one hitman kills people better than another hitman, and I'm not saying that either one of them is a good person. Right, right. They're just good at being a hitman. And he, um, Jeff goes on. He says, my p- main point is um, the war is very expensive. This one war is more expensive than all the welfare and aid to dependent children in your whole lifetime. See? Sounds kind of democratish there, doesn't he? Like, we should be spending this money. It, it kind of it rings of that. Now, he says that's not so, but that it's, well, far, it, it's less damaging. I think he may have a point. I, I think I, he might, too. A, a large proportion of the federal budget, and I don't, I don't know off the top of my head the exact percentage, but I've heard figures that have it around half of the federal budget goes towards defense. It's absolutely true. That, right. that, that, those are the numbers. So once you add up every other program, whether it's welfare, right, it's law everything else is the other half. Right. So if you could, so we spend half on killing people in foreign countries, right. and the other half on whatever else we right. spend it on. So if you could even just cut the def, the Department of Defense budget, or well, it's not really defense, but cut the Pentagon budget by about half, you've gotten rid of right. about all the the equivalent of all the welfare programs in the U.S. Yeah. And um, every every three months, on top of the entire military budget and all the other welfare um, you're against for war, Bush goes to Congress for another hundred billion dollars in emergency funds um, of the off the budget books and. Other in other funding, we're building an embassy there the size of Atlanta, a large part of Atlanta. I've never heard any numbers like that. It's the size of a super mall, that's for sure. A large part of the war has been funded off the books, emergency funds. It doesn't show up uh, as deficit, at least not in the same breath as the federal budget or even military budget. You guys aren't as cheap as I am. Um, aren't you guys as cheap as I am? Forget party politics. How can Mark side with the fiscal idiots who have doubled the national debt in eight years? Just going by voting for your pocketbook, or at least Mark's children's pocketbook. I don't see Mark understanding that it's the Republicans who have been, who have always been the big spenders. Reagan wanted to spend a trillion dollars on Star Wars. Republicans brag that we outspend them. We see we we the Democrats, and and he's he's saying I'm not trying to tout Democrats, but in the same breath, that's what he's doing. And well, that's yes, how we beat them, is what he says. He makes a good... I, I don't think the Democrats are the alternative to look for. No, I don't think so either. And I think that that's really the, the danger. Yes, I have a tendency to lean Republican. And I think Jeff's email, which uh, would, you know, articulated things better than, than the phone call did, you know, um, with the uh, sort of bantering that goes on in, in phone calls. I, he, I think he made me think about something. He made me think about um, Sununu, uh, our local senator here. I wanted to support Sununu for Congress because I think he's a pretty good fiscal conservative. I think the RLC... With your help, we can spread the message of liberty around the world. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier for just $3 a month now at amp.freetalklive.com. If you can't afford it, keep enjoying us for free. If you can spare the three, visit amp.freetalklive.com. I mean, that's kind of where I'm showing up on the presidential election. I'm thinking about essentially writing in Ron Paul, and we all know that's not going to do anything. Um, the only vote that counts, by the way, is a vote for the winning team. Any of the losing well, team, it doesn't count because a vote for, say, John Kerry in 2004, your vote wasn't uh, didn't count because you didn't win. Uh, I don't know if you can make the argument that it didn't count. You didn't win. Well, you know, they they counted in the same way that they they count votes for Michael Badnarik. He got 700,000 votes in 2004, yeah. the Libertarian um, candidate, but. You know, the, uh, people say that you shouldn't vote for the Libertarian because then your vote doesn't count. Well, it has an effect on the American public, though. If the American public sees, say, 
um, even if you're just in the two-party race, if they see, say, Barack Obama wins by 70% over John McCain's 30, assuming there's no... It's likely to be something like that, by the way. It, it sends a strong message um, that, you know, there's a, there's a large majority of Americans who want and, and endorse what Barack Obama endorses. At least that's how people perceive it. I don't think it's necessarily true because they have a very limited field to choo- choose from. But that's the message that I think is sent to other politicians and to members of the American public. Uh, but if you were to see, say, a Ron Paul write-in get 4% in the general election, I doubt it would get all that much press coverage. But if they put his face and his name with his 4% up there on the board next to the other two contenders... He's going to be a write-in at this point. I think 4% right. would be very, very optimistic. It would be. But, um, you know, I, I think that third-party candidates, they can at least get a message out there, and when people vote for them, they're at least showing... The more people that vote for them, um, the more valid they seem to be. There's sort of a validation process where if you can't even pull in a percentage point in the election, you you know, it's assumed that nobody agrees with you. But if you can pull in eh, 5%, the more votes you get, the more legitimate you are in the eyes of the electorate. Sure. And that's where I, I think it's Right, people wouldn't be saying the Libertarian Party is a waste of vote if they got 20% in the national, um, in the presidential election. Right, and so I don't, I don't think you can seriously say it's a run to win. Although I'm sure some of the candidates and their campaign workers are going to say that, you know, whether it's Bob Barr, who I don't really agree with on very much, but let's say Bob Barr was an actual Libertarian who embodied the principles of the party. Um, um, I, I yeah I just I I feel like you've got you're making an endorsement of the ideas and it's a struggle for as many votes as you can get not necessarily are we going to win because you're not but it's just a struggle to get as many voters as you can out there to wake up and say we're not happy with the major choices we want something different and I you know it, in the past it has kind of seemed like a wasted vote but you know what are you gaining by voting for Obama or McCain. Not much. I mean, if you actually care about freedom, don't vote for either of them. So you can stay home or you can come out and at least make a statement with your vote. So I think that's more constructive than staying home. It, 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 that, that's about where I'm left at this point. I don't think that I'm I, I don't think I'm going to be voting in, in the presidential election for either one of these, uh, you know, either the fascist or the socialist. And, um, you know, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Barack Obama's, you know, maybe he's the greatest candidate since Jesus, but he's walking in at the worst time. He is going to be Jimmy Carter, only black. He's going to be walking into a really crappy uh, economy and they're going to end up blaming it on him. And, you know, just because he wins doesn't mean he's going to win because they're punishing the Republicans, um, which I think the Republicans deserve a good punishing. But, yeah, yeah, it's... uh, neither one of them does anything for me. No, it's it's essentially a monopoly on power. They just trade off. I mean, once the American public gets sick of Republicans taking their money and stripping their liberties from them, the only alternative that they feel that they have is the Democrats, and they turn to them, and eventually they get tired of Democrats getting into their pocketbook and also stripping them of their liberties. And, you know, then they go back to the red team, and it, it... it doesn't advance liberty one iota, and all back it back and forth, back right. and forth. All it serves and to the government do, just gets bigger and right. bigger every step of the way. Every pendulum swing, the government gets bigger. So, 
It, it, yeah, it, it's, it's just not a workable system if you actually care about freedom. And, you know, if you don't want to vote for the libertarian candidate, there's, there's other parties out there. Or consider, I mean, if you don't want to vote, maybe get out and, and take time that you would have worked on a presidential campaign and devote it towards a specific issue, uh, like repealing the drug war or any other issue you can think of that deals with liberty and try to advance public awareness of that. And move that agenda forward. Um, something I'd prefer to see. Right. Just one second. Um, Ian, how are we doing on the uh, getting on the air here? Well, we're working on it. Uh, I've moved the ISDN box right into the stream of the air conditioning output. So it is ice heat cold. It's, I, I know the we last time we had this problem was when we didn't have AC in the studio at all and it started getting hot. Yeah. Here in New Hampshire, we had to run out and get the AC. Remember when that I, was? I do remember that, yeah. And the AC fixed the problem. So I guess the issue was that even though this new AC is much bigger unit, it just wasn't really pushing the air over in the direction of the ISDN unit. So I see. We're going to have it GCN. Seem, it doesn't seem as though that, that um, Nexus box has been uh, moved some, to a good spot. Well, well, we've actually got GCN back on board at this point. I don't know if we should bother coming back on the network or just sort of stay connected and keep doing the Internet show at least through the end of the hour. And Let, well, that no, might be the best Not idea. the end of the hour, just the um, segment, right? Yeah, we could do it through the end of the segment, too. Sure. Yeah. That would work. I think that's that's probably the way to go. Do you want me to come up with something else to talk about? Well, are you done with Jeff's email? I haven't really yeah. been paying too much pretty attention. Much. Um, we've uh, pretty much exhausted Jeff's email. So he's still out uh, kind of... Promoting the Democrats as though they're going to save the day. Yep. Is that the, the gist of it all? And it's pretty much. Um, let me, l- let's talk about voting real quick. Voting for Free Talk Live, you mean? Yes. Um, that's a good idea. We, over the last couple You'll of, be hearing about it more. Yes. That's, <laughs> over that, the that next much, month. You could be sure of that. Over the last couple of months, uh, previously we were winning every month. It seemed rather easy and handily. Um, we thought that one of our listeners maybe had uh, figured out some system for getting us to win. I don't know. But it, apparently what was going on was actually our listeners were voting and we were winning um, legitimately. And now we've sort of stopped promoing it as much. And, well, we're coming in. Like, we came in fifth last month it's it's not a great showing for you know what is really the number one podcast in the world uh we well, it has been at one time uh, we, we certainly shown it on a regular basis that we can do it and sure. i think we can i think i think we've shown that we're we come in, out on top more than on anybody else so that makes us number one as far as i'm concerned so we'd like to invite you to go out and vote for Free Talk Live if you have yet to do it this month. It's a monthly voting process. It only takes less than a minute of your time. You need your email address, and that's all that you need to get through the process. Very simple. Uh, you just go to vote.freetalklive.com to cast your vote for the show. That, again, vote.freetalklive.com, and uh, we'll be following closer, because honestly, I just last few months i've it's kind of been a throwaway thing for me too mark i've just i've just sent the voting notices out and yeah vote for us please you know <laughs> you i figured know, that kind of thing. i'd see what would happen but and it didn't work out so it's, well it's extraordinarily important to the show um advertisers pay attention to this we've got a lot of new uh new listeners from podcast yeah, alley if so. you want yeah and a if lot you of came from, from podcast alley you should certainly vote because you understand that it was the voting that brought you to this show in the first place so please go to vote.freetalklive.com yeah, we're, in, we're in fifth place right now which is is it's great to be in fifth because we were in tenth when I sat down in this chair at about six o'clock tonight. So it's seven forty now uh, here in uh, beautiful Eastern Standard Time. So an hour later, we've moved up halfway. Yeah, we've um, we've we've doubled our votes in that amount of time, doubled from great. like thirty to sixty. But uh, we need to get up to two hundred and thirty-eight. Are we still order- fighting with the Harry Potter guys? 
The Muggle cast is uh, at number four, yeah. Oh, okay. uh, Keith and the Girls, one and two. Super secret backstage show, which doesn't really count. Come on. I mean, they haven't been around that long. Uh, we just passed Red Bar Radio, our, our good friends over at Red Bar, and, and yep. they're good folks and everything, but they deserve to be down farther on the list than <laughs> us. Um, <laughs> I like Mike D, but he des- deserves to be number two, not number one. There you go. And, uh, you know, that's that's where we're at. All right. So I'd really like to see us move up by the end of the night. I know that there are 240 people listening to the stream, so go ahead and just do your voting now if you could, please. Well, I would have gone and uh, sent the notice earlier today, but as I said, we had this air conditioning install going on all day, so all the studio equipment was off. And if you're not listening to the stream, you're listening to this on podcast, do it now, please. If you have the opportunity, as soon as you can, as soon as you can get to a computer, vote. We need yeah. it. And uh, maybe ask a friend to vote while you're at it. Maybe you, get you got those else folks on the, on the IMs there. That's You can turn your one vote into five or ten if you try. All right, the toll-free number here is 1-800-259-9231. There were some calls on the line earlier. We are going to try to rejoin the network here, providing our ISDN connection stays are we stable. We're going to be uh, jumping into a uh, quick break, and then when we come back, we should be back on our radio station affiliates and back on the radio. So hopefully all will be going smooth. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. You can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features there are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And if you like the show want to help support Free Talk Live, then we ask that you go and shop with us at amazon.freetalklive.com. Uh, when you enter Amazon through that link, Free Talk Live will get a percentage of your purchase. So do your shopping online at Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. And not only will you get the stuff that you need in life delivered to your door, you probably get some really great prices, the brands you trust, free super saver shipping in a whole bunch of cases, and you can feel good knowing that Free Talk Live is getting a cut if you enter through Amazon.FreeTalkLive.com. To our radio listeners who may be a little bit confused, if you're just tuning in, you were listening to a refeed a few moments ago. Now we're actually live uh, it's the 1st of July, and we're back in the studio doing the show. Uh, it's not that we were gone yesterday. It's just we've been having technical difficulties for the first pr- um, portion of the program tonight. Things changed in the studio today, so um, we had you know some technical difficulties. Right. Got them ironed out now. Hopefully they have been ironed out. We will continue here uh, by going right back into your calls. Rick, who is on the line still, apparently, in New Hampshire. You're on Free Talk Live. Rick. Hey, guys. Ain't technology great? Yeah. The wonders of modern technology. <laughs> so what's on your mind, Rick? Well, let's... Let's try this again. Uh, the other day you had a, a caller after you had uh, told the story, Ian, of uh, of your experience when you were, I believe it was 10. Uh, you know, you, I don't uh, remember exactly. It's I feel like I was 10 or 11 at the time. Um, but yes, uh, when I was involved in a little, oh, I don't know, sexually oriented play with my older next door neighbor. For compensation. For compensation, yes. So you're a child prostitute. I was a child prostitute, I suppose. Well, you you had a caller who uh, came in and was just vehement about, you know, a 10-year-old does does not have the mental capacity to make that choice. You know, we we hear that a lot uh, in our culture in the sense of of age of consent laws. And uh, that caller prompted me to uh, go online and actually do a little research. turns out that the legal concept of age of consent with regard to sexual activity is only a little over 100 years old. Hmm. 
So before well, that, you could do it with impunity? More or less. The, the age of consent did not exist until around 1879 or 1880 when California made a law that said to consent to sexual activity, you had to be 14 years old. Before that, it was simply assumed, as was handed down by tradition and the, the British common law, in which a lot of uh, which basically the U.S. lived by, kind of inherited from from Great Britain when we when we got our independence back in 1776 or declared anyway. Hmm. But uh, before it was passed in California, it was the first state in the 1880s. Before that, it was assumed that by the age of 10 years old, you were capable of entering into a contract, of being held accountable for your actions, wow. of proper choices, making proper decisions. You were expected by that age to be capable of doing that. And if you made bad choices, you were held accountable by your parents, by your community, by whoever you harmed by the choice you made. What do you mean about this? Uh, you were able to enter into a contract. How, uh, could you join the military? I mean, what, what kind of contracts could you enter into? Any kind of a contract. At the age of 10, you were Basically, uh, you you could uh, assign yourself to a master craftsman as an apprentice and basically be his slave for 10 years while you learned his trade. You know, and I think that that's a, I, I think that that's a system that uh, could benefit a lot of people these days. Well, you know, it's the, the age of consent and this whole concept of childhood is basically a Victorian fiction. Right. Can you explain it, it that? from the Victorian era. It's, it's a total fiction. The concept didn't even exist before then. And a lot of it had to do with the temperance movement. A lot of it had to do with uh, child labor, quote-unquote, being exploited in the factories and the, the whole the hullabaloo that went on over that. Well, I think we all know that uh, that that Jewish kids have their uh, bar mitzvah or bat mitzvah um, at twelve or uh, you know at, at the age of twelve, I believe, and that meant at the time that they were adults. They you know you're a man or a woman, um, depending on uh, you know obviously your gender, and so able to you know make all the decisions of one at that point. So I think that there's there's a lot of historical context for that. And and even to this day, uh, in European countries where the language still makes a difference between the familiar and the formal form of addressing someone, which we don't do in English anymore, but we used to. Right. The V and the thou is as the familiar, and the U and the your is the formal. Mm-hmm. Uh, that kind of got dropped in the English language some centuries back. But in the countries where that's still a, a formalized part of the language, at the latest, by age 14, young people are automatically addressed with the formal, which is the address you use with other adults, where yeah. the familiar is the address you use with children who it's assumed then are not capable of thinking or acting for themselves or of their own accord. So this is uh, essentially, you said this is a relic of the Victorian era, this whole idea of extending childhood. Is that where they came up with this? Yes. And that's also the same time, for example, that uh, compulsory formal schooling was introduced in the United States right around the turn of the 20th century. And I think that the whole educational model is based on the idea of you have to, you know, some person of authority has to decide what goes into young people's minds because the young people themselves are 
supposedly incapable of choosing yeah. what goes into their own mind. You know, and and about that time with the uh, you know the whole Red Scare and all that stuff, the socialists had pretty 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 well got themselves ensconced in labor unions, and uh, I think that likely they saw an advantage to uh, you know helping out you know getting some of the workers better wages and better uh, conditions based on you know the decreasing supply by taking young people out of yeah. the uh, out of the job market by you know, mm. compulsory education and uh, minimum la- um, wage laws and you know yeah, child they, child uh, work, wake, working laws most and that kids kind of thing. can't get a job until 16 at the earliest uh, these days yeah which is and I, they could I, be I think that the, I think it's far more valuable I went to work at 12 and I learned more working than I did um, at school you could hit the streets you know delivering papers as early as you know seven or eight I think in the in the real world I as think long that, you can uh, ride a bicycle I think delivering deliver papers, papers is um, is, is different and exempt but just it just doesn't work that way anymore. Adults deliver papers now. Well, well I've seen some kids. this for a minute. What is the the thought that is immediately associated in our culture with the term teenager? Um, uh, punks. Yeah, uh, reckless and uh, you know, uh, brats lolling around, hanging out at the the mall, shiftless. What is uh, your thought, Rich? Pretty much a universal truth that people will do exactly what you expect them to do. If we expect young people to be reckless and irresponsible and incapable, that's exactly what they're going to be. For the most part, that's true. Just imagine if you can take all that youthful energy and allow those young people to actually contribute to society by working, by owning a business. How about in our education, instead of teaching them read and write and arithmetic and all these silly little things that we teach them in school, why don't we teach them capitalism? Why don't we teach them how to own a business, how to write a business? Well, I think we know why, Rick. Well, I think that that reading, writing, and arithmetic would be really great things if we taught those in school, but I think that we spend far more time um, teaching them uh, socialist indoctrination and following orders. They teach them how to follow orders. I pay pay my property taxes, so I'm I'm part of that uh, system. Well, yeah, but you're just a victim, Mark, just like everybody else, so you're not the one making the ultimate decisions there. It could be. If we allowed these young people to contribute to society instead of forcing them to be leeches. It'd be fantastic. They wouldn't be hanging out doing nothing all day. They would have an incentive to actually get in there and into the uh, the workforce and, and con- as, as you say, contribute, create a product or a service and make it available and, co- and compete. And they could be so – I mean, the, the fact is you take a teenager who's never had a job, you put him into a job – and they, and for the most part, if they don't act out and get fired, they'll get with the program and they'll get a clue and they'll start learning how to interact with people and they'll, uh, th- it'll be a, one of the best things that ever happened to right. them. Right. And if they didn't, if, if they could have gotten a job earlier, they would be less likely. Say, so if they get a job at 19, it's their first job ever, they're going to be a terrible employee it's because so they haven't had the indoctrination over time to, um, you know, to, to be a good employee. Why shouldn't they be able to get an entry level position oh, at age 10? I learned my. I learned my lessons as far as being on time for work before the age of 15. Yep, so, so did I. Uh, th- therefore, I learned those things. 
They've been indoctrinated for 12 years that you sit in your chair, you shut up, you do exactly what the teacher says, and you don't do anything until the teacher says. Yeah, right, nothing, nothing more and nothing, and no initiative. Great call tonight, Rick. Appreciate you hanging on through all the technical difficulties, and it appears that our equipment is hanging on here through uh, these last couple segments, and we'll continue more live programming here in moments. Hour 2 is on the way. This is Free Talk Live. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with the very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney, finalized a contract in London, and demoed our new product in Boston. Online, from my desk, with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone, and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam, too. Remember that code, 600, to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try, free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can bring up whatever's on your mind via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line for you. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. Join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features there are totally free. As we launch here into hour number two of the program, uh, once again, the number is 800-259-9231. We continue with your phone call. Stephen in Colorado is on the line with us. You're on Free Talk Live. Stephen. Hello, Stephen. In Colorado, going once. Stephen in Colorado. He's gone. Let's try Adam in Maryland. Adam, you're on Free Talk Live with you, Nick and Mark. Hey, guys. Hey, Adam. What's on your mind tonight? I know you guys like those uh, stupid laws and businesses combating them stories, so here's one for you. All right. You ready? Yeah. All right. Um, so here in Maryland, there, there's this adult bookstore. It's the only one in this particular county that's been there, um, and the government and people have been fighting it for 11 years trying to get it to shut down. Man, the stuff those guys go through just to sell a porn tape is amazing. Yep. You know, it's a bookstore, lingerie, DVDs, that type of thing. Right. Um, and it's the only one in the county, like I said, and they spent $190,000 so far trying to fight this. Wow. What are they fighting? And, uh, Just getting shut down somehow? One little adult bookstore. But, they, oh, I been, see. The, the county has uh, spent uh, almost $200,000 uh, combating the adult bookstore's existence. Oh, I thought it was the adult bookstore that spent the money. Which one is oh, which? I don't know what they've spent, but, yeah, the county spent that. Oh, okay. It, of course, uh, it's easy for them to spend the money because it's not theirs. Right. Exactly. Yep, so um, the first thing they did was they said, you know, no adult stores or whatever within 500 feet of schools, churches, um, parks, and houses, which limited to about 1% in the county. Schools, parks, uh, churches, and houses? (laughs) Yep. I see. And um, so then they they took that to court, and it was ruled unconstitutional, the Maryland Court of Appeals. That's good. And then now the next plan of action, they said, okay, there can be no adult oriented stores that have at least 20% stock. So guess what the, uh, oh, oh, uh, some other things in the article, a pastor said porn is the major destroyer of marriages. 
are, are they just pulling that out of their butt? When they no, the that? major destroyer of marriages is financial situations. Uh, you know, one one partner, the partners just don't get along on financial issues. One's a spender, one's a saver. You know, uh, that kind of thing. It, it and it lends a lot of stress. Yeah, that's what I thought. Um, and 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 there was no mention of the First Amendment in this article. I was I was thinking about this. You know, the freedom of the press. Right. They wouldn't, wouldn't bother mentioning include- that. Yeah, wouldn't that include distribution as well? It it absolutely does. Um, you know, I mean, I'm s- sorry, you're free to. Um, th- those people are free to sell that stuff if that's but what they want to do. it's offensive. I'm offended by it. I mean, <laughs> you know, if if there was ever uh, a, a relationship that was broken up and one of the members of that relationship attributed it to the fact that the other member was looking at pornography, that wasn't the porn that ended that relationship. It was the 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 couple's inability to I guess deal with one another's yeah. habits and personal situations. I, mean, I, I, I have heard of a situation. Um, a, you know, a friend of mine's uh, daughter. You know, their. Uh, you know, he claimed that their marriage was broken up over porn, and basically the uh, the guy would um, you know sit in there and watch online porn when he had what, what was really, a, by the way, a hot wife um, in the other room. He just didn't feel like. You know that was the direction he wanted to go, but you know that's that guy's problem. It's not. Yeah. Um, it's it's not. You're going to find porn anyway. Even if you shut down the adult bookstore, there's plenty of porn on the Internet. What difference does it make? Well, yeah, exactly. So if you're tired of, uh, for whatever reason, you don't want to spend time with your attractive uh, significant other and you feel like going uh, off by yourself to spend time with pornography or your video collection or uh, a book, and it doesn't even have to be pornography. If you're not giving the attention that your partner is looking for, then that's going to lead to a problem. Whatever the item is that you are giving attention to as opposed to giving it to your partner, of course they're going to blame the item, but really the relationship. Something was wrong there in the first place. Yeah, something's wrong yep. there. So guess what these guys did? Guess what the business did? Okay, the porn store. What'd they do? And, yeah, yep. you said something about 20% stock, and I didn't yep, quite 20% understand. 20% stock. What does that mean, it, 20% stock? Uh, if more than 20% or at least 20% of your stock is adult-oriented oh, material, I see. I see. then the store can't remain open. Okay. That, that was their newest, I don't know when they passed this bill, but it was probably earlier this year and it went into effect recently. Mm-hmm. Crazy. So this is a front-page story here in Baltimore. Mm-hmm. Um, so guess they took every little square inch of space that they have in the store, including the basin, which they weren't using ever for mm-hmm. the past 11 years. Yeah. And they got used books from you know libraries and uh, Amazon or whatever. Uh, hopefully they use Free Talk Live, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and they just stocked it with books that had nothing to do with adult material. And they're circumventing the law. And you wouldn't believe how angry these these lawmakers are. About. I'm sure they're very angry, and I'm glad they've won that that case in the past. But it's just so sad to see them jump through all these hoops that these government bureaucrats are putting up. I mean, they had to go out and spend who knows how much money trying to uh, to bring that extra stock into their store so they would qualify to be a legal store. I mean, it's you were legal when you opened the store, and now they're trying to run you out of business. They're just going to keep coming back with more and more and more until you get so tired. Tired of dealing with it, that you fold up and you go somewhere else, or you just keep jumping through the damn hoops and you, you know, you end up running out of money. There's, there's no way that they can win on this one. I mean, I under, they, they deserve to be applauded for their, uh, their tenacity in this particular case, but all they're doing is just extracting unnecessary money from these people. I mean, the government's not seeing the money, but they are, you know, they're bleeding this company dry. Yeah, yeah, I, and I don't know um, why don't. Why ha- you know wasn't the First Amendment brought into this in, in the article? Like it seems as if the article was like written totally against the sex company. 
It may very well have been. I mean, they may perceive that the uh, the viewpoint of their readers is going to be relatively old, you know, newspapers, right? They uh, have older readers, and so they may feel as though it's uh, pandering to their readers to take a, a sort of a negative position on the yeah. porn store. That or the writer, because uh, in today's uh, edition, they had a, um, some couple that used to live in Baltimore wrote a sex book about something or other, and I'm like, okay, <laughs> that's nice. I wish uh, yep. that a business like that would just say, screw you. We're going to keep doing business. If you want to send in the cops to arrest us, it'd be cheaper for them to get arrested a few times than it would to go through all the, you know, jump through all these damn hoops. We're just going to keep coming back and reopening yeah. the doors. I know what yeah, you're my, saying, my but plan, uh, the people I'm, that, I'm, you know, the, the public opinion would, would not go for the adult bookstore. They'd just say, oh, they're, they're seedy people. Yep. Yeah, you know, no, no press, no, no press is bad press. And, uh, I think I'll go there and patronize and get a copy of the Bible or something, you know? Yep, they've got, uh, they've got used copies of it. <laughs> Thanks, dude. Hey, let us know what happens if you hear anything more on that, okay? I will. Thanks, Adam, for the call. Appreciate hearing from you at 800-259-9231. I understand, Mark, that you know you think the public wouldn't necessarily in any way stand up for the, the bookstore, and you're probably right. But they, they, In New Hampshire, they would. You think? Well, we would. Um, well, yeah, Enough certainly. Free State Project members would, the, the would come out. Certainly, would. Stand it would make up. a big stink. Um, but it's just so sad to see these these things happen. Why? Uh, you know, they're going to run you out of business, right? I mean, eventually, they're going to pass some law that just makes it too difficult. Makes it too difficult, or the uh, the, the complying with that particular law would become too expensive. And then you're just going to have to close your doors. So if you get to the point in your business, this is what you love. This is what you wanted to do. You know, you wanted to create this business and service the horny men and women of Baltimore. And so you did it. And now they're shutting you down. So since you have nothing else to lose at this point, then why bother continuing to comply? Why not just say, screw you. We're going to keep opening our doors. What are you going to do about it? And then find out what they do about it. And maybe you can rally some of your customers, though it seems unlikely because, again, most porn consumers are... Right, they have parking in the back for a reason. Right, they (laughs) want to be anonymous. They're wearing dark glasses and hats when they come into the store. They don't want anybody to see them there because there's this stigma attached to pornography. And so I don't know how much support they would get within the community. But, damn, if you're going to go out of business, what do you have to lose at that point? 1-800-259-9231. 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. Am I, am I off on that? I mean, if you've got nothing left to lose, why I, not? I, I see the point. I mean, but if you've, if you've uh, emotionally got to the point where you think that you've lost, I can see why somebody would be like, oh, let's just shut the doors. I'm going to go work at UPS. 800-259-9231 is the SACL CAI toll-free line. Some companies uh, that I, I guess some have come close to shutting their doors, maybe some have actually shut their doors. The tomato growers of America have been under siege by the FDA recently, and there's some interesting news about that particular story. Plus, Stephen's back. We'll try him and your calls as well. Ladies first, if you make the call, it's Free Talk Live. Free Talk Live, it's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL-CAI toll-free line. 
It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com. And those features include the bulletin board system, Get Interactive, with over 350,000 posts. There's a lot to talk about from serious issues to fun stuff. You'll find it all at bbs.freetalklive.com. That's bbs. Dot freetalklive.com and free talk live is brought to you by the free state project it's your only choice for more personal freedom and smaller less intrusive government to learn more about joining the second american revolution go to freestateproject.org that's freestateproject.org as we go to your phone calls steven is on the line in colorado steven you're on free talk live i have a liberal friend who is starting to lean towards the idea of purely um, private education. And the reason is, is that he is also, like me, he's an atheist. He is uh, he's a little more into it, I would say, than I am. I'm, I'm rather an apathetic atheist. He's a little more into it. Okay. Uh, and, and he is very much into the whole church-state argument, you know, the prayer in schools, the teaching of creationism versus evolution, uh, you know, he watched the uh, that Dover case like a hawk when they were trying to put uh, uh, intelligent design in the uh, in the schools, and uh, he, you know, and then the Ten Commandments in the classroom and things like that. And I told him, I said, listen, you know, I came from that background too, that liberal background, and schools were the second issue that kind of I, I just kind of made that jump. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And and that was the reason why because once you get rid of the government schools, all of that stuff is over with. You, there is no more creation-evolution debate. There yep. is no more debate on to, uh, as to whether or not the Ten Commandments need to be in the classroom or there should be exactly. teacher-led prayer in school or any, any kind of prayer. No more debate because everybody gets what they want in the marketplace because the religious guys can send their kids to the ultra-religious schools and the atheist exactly. guys like your friend can send their kids to some sort of secular school or homeschool right. or whatever. The marketplace will provide all of that. And the only way that, that he wouldn't be amicable toward that particular viewpoint is if he wanted to foist his atheist on everybody else. Yeah, which he does not. He he wants there to be, you know, if you ask him, the, the typical science curriculum should say, uh, you know, very uh, uh, bluntly, but, you know, not dogmatically, that uh, this is why we know evolution is true. Evolution is true because of this, that, and the other thing, or he would not say true. Uh, he tends to, to, to shy away from those kind of words. He would say, you know, something more like factual. Um, but, uh, yeah, he's not into that... Uh, you know, waving the flag of atheism thing. He just wants there to be purely secular, secularized public schools. And so I've been kind of working on it a little bit. And his and now you can guess what his stumbling block is. The poor? The poor. Okay. How on <laughs> earth are the poor going to get educated? Well, great question. First off, um, just I mean, th- this is where I always go with this: is schools are essentially welfare for middle and uh, upper middle class people. They're not for mm-hmm. the poor. Um, right. Now, certainly, poor people send their kids to uh, public school, but what that is is an issue of welfare, not an issue of public schools. And if we could even get middle class people that could pay for their, um, you know, kids to go to school. To, to pay, we'd be, you know, we'd cut the the heck out of uh, public school funding, even if uh, a town just put together a uh, scholarship program for, you know, those in financial need. 
we'd be a lot better off. Still, but that's a pretty weak uh, response, Mark, because you're still calling for some sort of governmental involvement. I'm here. not calling for that, but I'm, I'm saying that you're, you're, you're not a, you're not addressing the problem. You're saying that we should all go to mediocre, crappy schools where they um, want to teach religion in order that the poor have a place to go. Yeah. Well, I mean, in the free marketplace, everybody will have the money that they earn and to be able to spend it and save it in the way they do, they deem appropriate as, as opposed to what we have today, where a significant chunk, uh, my biggest expense every month is property taxes. A significant chunk goes to these government yeah, The bis- biggest expense in the uh, property taxes is schools. That's true. Uh, so a significant chunk of my income goes to these bureaucrats to make arbitrary decisions. I'd much rather make those choices with my own money. And we've seen sure. that Americans are the most charitable people on the face of the planet – so it's quite clear that when Americans have more money in their pocket, they are more than willing to spend that money on charitable efforts. And one of those charitable efforts can certainly be educating those who are in need of a little bit of assistance to get themselves an education. I, I mean, mean who yeah, everybody be, wants to have educated people in their community. Right. And, and um, now we pay probably, I don't know, uh, $5,000 in property taxes or something like that per year. Yep. Uh, we are homeschooling our daughter. She is just this year. Uh, this last year was her first year being homeschooled, uh, and it costs four hundred and fifty dollars for the entire an, year. I mean, dynamic, excellent, wonderful curriculum. Who is wow. it? You what, know, what organization is it? it, it it's uh, it's a place called. You know, my wife set the whole thing up. I wish I could remember. Okay. they're out of Florida, uh, and, and they are somehow linked up with the homeschool superstore, which I believe is homeschoolsuperstore.com. Okay, I can't remember the name of these folks, but they. They will design you a course. Hmm. Uh, we were on the phone a total of uh, between three phone calls. Uh, we were on the phone with them for four and a half hours. And they even talked hmm. to my daughter to find out what she was interested in, Neat. what sort of stuff turned her on. Um, and now, the uh, I was thinking, you know, a lot of people say, well, there's the opportunity cost of, okay, if I have to quit my job, now, you know, this homeschool doesn't cost me $500, it cost me $25,000 because I had to quit my job. If that's the way somebody looks at it, then I don't know if they should even be having kids. I mean, wouldn't you want to spend time at home with your kid? Right. Look at the, look at the opportunity cost, yeah. you know, the opportunity value when you look at uh, the idea of being the, the, the number one person in your child's life. Um, you that know, seems priceless to w- me. What did you have one for? That, that is an excellent point. Uh, but uh, where I was going, and, and, and I don't think I'm blowing you off, that was an yeah. excellent point. But where I was going was uh, right now it is illegal for you to homeschool anybody, well, in my state anyway, uh, anybody other than your own kid. Um, <laughs> if you, we get, got rid of all these rules, mm-hmm. what we could do is me and my neighbors right now who are paying about 5000 bucks a piece, all the homes worth about the same, yep. uh, could pool together. And instead of doing that, we could just pay one of the neighbors to stay home and homeschool. Sure. Yeah. Well, that would, all the kids in the neighborhood. That would essentially be a school, and I can mm-hmm. see why the bureaucrats would hate that idea. Oh yeah. Because oh, you're in competition. Boy, yeah. The teacher, the teachers' union, who has a heck of a lot more pull than you and I ever will, um, you know, they're thoroughly entrenched. They hate that idea. Well, it'd be really interesting to see in the free marketplace if we had a free market in education, who would be the best at educating? Would we sure. see these, you know, behemoth McDonald's of uh, of education? Would they be right. the uh, the most efficient at it with you know big right. classroom sizes or whatever? Or would we see these sort of neighborhood schools of uh, just families, right. very small classes? House sizes? moms essentially stay home and run very small classes. Yeah, which know, ten- would be right. more well, successful. Well, that's how that's how churches uh, get going. Yeah. Uh, my wife, essentially, they moved to a little town that had almost nobody living in it, and they sort of created a church out of, you know, out of thin air. They, they, it was in the back of a pottery 
uh, pottery shop uh, for a long time, and now it's the biggest church in town. We have a town of 35,000 people. Mm. Now it's the biggest church in town. Hmm. So I think that that's an excellent. If you could look at the churches as a metaphor for well, for how a, a, a lot of churches school, have schools, school right? Metaphor. A lot of churches have schools. This one does, yes. Another perfect example of how the uh, the charitable factor might come in to where the churches could be the fundraising arms. And I understand your atheist friend probably wouldn't care too much for that idea, but there's nothing. There would be nothing stopping him and his atheist buddies from you know doing an atheist scholarship. Not a lot of local atheist organizations. That, that, Start one, yeah. though. You know, if that's it's a way to go. If that's your objection, is that hey, there's too many churches paying for scholarships. Get in with the Unitarian Universalists. Most half of them are atheists. That's a great point. Hey, thank you for the call, Stephen. Great conversation. You can take control of the airwaves. We'll check in with the tomato situation in moments. Would you like to help others find Free Talk Live? You can help us advertise, market, and promote the show at amp.freetalklive.com. Consider becoming a Free Talk Live amplifier now for $3 a month and get some cool bonuses at amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231, the SACL CAI toll-free line. It is Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. The features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. The features, uh, by the way, include the Shrine of Female Listeners, dozens of ladies who've sent us their validated photo to prove they listen to the show. Head on over to shrine.freetalklive.com and see what it's all about. That's shrine.freetalklive.com. And if you want to help support Free Talk Live, you can become a Free Talk Live amplifier at amp.freetalklive.com. Just head on over to amp.freetalklive.com to learn more about what AMP stands for. It's advertise, market, and promote. And the purpose of the program is to help Free Talk Live get on more stations and bring more Internet listeners on board, thereby exposing more people to the wonderful message of freedom and liberty. And you get perks, too. Like access to the AMP only call in lines, chat room forum, and more. Go get all the details and get signed up at amp.freetalklive.com. The latest on the tomato situation in moments, but first, Paula is on the line in Florida. You're on Free Talk Live, Paula. Yeah, hi, hon. It's not the tomatoes. We found out some information. Uh, this stuff, they do not know what it is. It's not a bacteria, it's not a virus. CDC, they're furious. And they said there's nothing they can do. They don't know what to do. There's no medicine for it. And so anyway, you just... Is everyone to going to die, Paula? No, Is... they said you have to just run its course. And they said it lasts oh, okay. a week to a month. Anyway, I've talked to the hospitals. Now, and, is this the, the stuff that you thought was the, the fecal sickness last well, week? Well, it's, it's some type of a sickness, but we don't know. Now we found out they don't know what it is. It's mm. not a bacteria. It's not a virus. Now, your husband has come down with this, yeah, right? Yeah, he's got it, yeah. How's he, he feeling? Yeah, how's he doing? He's doing better. Oh, well, that's good. Anyway, well, it's just hey, if everybody gets course. better, then there's no problem, right? Then there's no, it's not even an issue. Well, some people have died. Cause they got well, too there's right? always some people that are going to die. Yeah. And you can't anyway, help that, spread almost all over the, the whole country. But thing is, we don't know where it came from. Yeah, it's funny. I, I've not seen any of it up here in New Hampshire. Maybe the New Hampshireites are immune. Maybe it's going on no, it, everywhere it else. It got as far as Virginia. I know that oh, last okay. Sunday. You it was poor, in poor folks in the South, man. You guys and are always it taking it on the chin. Dakota. It's a muggy, muggy weather. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, there's some more news i got to tell you. Is there? All right, go yeah. ahead. I just got some information. China has complete control of us now. They said everything <laughs> they have made. Of, wait a minute. Don't laugh. This is serious. Every chip that they have made for us has a back door. They have control <laughs> over our computers. They can control our planes. Everything. They, <laughs> oh, they wow. Forced, they forced Air Force That's pretty One hardcore. down. 
They forced well, Air Force One down. Cheney Damn, why didn't they com- crash Cheney, it into the, Cheney, the Pacific? Cheney, listen to me. Cheney was coming back from somewhere. Wait a they minute. Had, they, they had control of the This plane. is such it nonsense. Actually, Cheney flies oh, in Air Force is, Two. This is actually true. I can give you the person's number to call. Wait a minute. Paula, wait a minute. If the Chinese could control every single computer in America, then they why wouldn't control. they just force Air Force Two down into a flaming ball of fire or force it happened. down into the ocean? Let her, or, t- let her go on with let her story. Let me crazy story. It came down. They thought that there was some type of mechanical problem, and they said, Mr. Cheney, we brought your plane down. Hmm. Ominous. Anyway, Cheney. they have a back door to everything. <laughs> Ominous. Look out. <laughs> I Thanks, get, Paula, for the... Know, uh, I can let you know who to get yeah. in touch with if oh, you yeah? want to talk to him. Yeah, who's that? Okay. Jimbo. You know who, do you know who End Time Press is? End Time Thank Press. goodness I don't, and I've heard enough. Okay, I can tell you I'm not going to call them. Anybody by the name in End Time Press. End Time Press. As in the End in Times. End time. time. Uh, Paula? She's gone. Oh, is it the end time or in time press, Paula? It just said in time press. E N D as in the end. Yeah. It is the end. Yes, and this is the end of your call for tonight. Thank you, Paula. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Well, let's see here. Her allegation tonight was that the Chinese can control every single computer chip they have ever manufactured. <laughs> But by what mechanism? Theoretically, I guess it would be the Internet, right? I mean, so it'd have to be chips that are connected to the Internet. Well, it doesn't, like, see, it doesn't sound impossible. I, you know, I, it, it seems like you could create, a, if you, you were could. creating a chip, you could certainly create a, it's, some kind of backdoor in that it chip. It is possible, but it seems very unlikely that something like that would happen. And certainly if it were and true... And once we found out about it, then uh, you know, people would be manufa- you know, uh, you know, advertising their chips that are you know, backdoor-free chips. That much is true. And we would probably find out about it in a much more significant way than allegations uh, you know, from Paula in Florida about what allegedly happened to Dick Cheney's airplane. I mean, if you can force airplanes out of the sky and do other sort of uh, havoc-wreaking things, why would you choose such a, a lightweight thing? Why not just let it loose? Why not just destroy things and uh, well, maybe, shut, maybe they're shut just down trying to, power trying, grids? Trying to send a message and give us a warning. <laughs> well, then you think that ABC News would be reporting on this. But that, no, that, that the part End I would Times think, yeah. Press, they're the ones with the scoop. It sounds like really interesting fiction. Yeah. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. And that's what I love Paula's calls for is uh, fiction. You know, they the can fictional be really, component. really in- interesting fiction. So tomatoes. Now this is something that I I had intended to cover, but it was just one of those stories that got lost in the shuffle. We never really got to it when it was actually really happening. Uh, this FDA crackdown on the tomato growers and distributors in America. You guys familiar with this? I'm not. I, I knew you that they were going to do something for about the contaminated tomatoes. No, yeah, I had heard that the FDA was investigating and was going to take action, but I didn't hear what the action had turned out to be. Unfortunately, it's not the most important thing in my life, um, and you know that's that's kind of how Americans view these things, and that's why the government keeps on growing. Right, because for the tomato growers, it is the most important thing in their lives, and their businesses have been pretty severely affected by this. Uh, The story is all over the place. This one happens to be from ABC News. An investigation into whether tainted tomatoes caused more than 850 people to get sick from salmonella is broadening instead of narrowing, prompting consumers and food safety officials alike to express frustration today. One of the bureaucrats at the FDA said the pace of this investigation has been frustratingly slow. 
Is that frustratingly slow in comparison to the normal, very slow pace of government? Because government doesn't do anything very quickly. Yeah, rarely. Are you are you surprised by this, Mr. Bureaucrat? Well, he's upset that other people are taking longer. You know, the government can take as long as it wants. Food safety officials with the FDA and the CDC said salmonella has left 869 people ill since April. They also said that while tomatoes are the lead suspect, they aren't yet certain tomatoes are to blame for the illness. According to the Western Growers Association, their CEO says before you can say it's an outbreak and to stop eating tomatoes, there should be certain evidence that that is exactly true. And until that's done, they should reserve judgment. But they didn't. Federal officials first <laughs> announced a salmonella or salmonella. Is it salmonella or sal- salmonella is you how pick. I say it. But salmonella. When you're talking about the fish, it's salmon, though. Right? Right. Okay. Salmonella illnesses months ago centering their investigation on certain types of raw tomatoes. Since then, food safety inspectors have traveled to tomato farms in Mexico and Florida as the number of sick people continued to rise. Now, this story doesn't really talk about the business fallout that came as a result of this, but I know that Julia came home from, uh, she works at a restaurant during the daytime, and she told me that they, they had to, I think they had to throw out their tomatoes. And they weren't the only ones. There were uh, businesses all around the country that were just destroying stocks of tomatoes based on the word of the FDA that tomatoes were responsible for uh, this, this outbreak of salmonella. Yeah, and that's what we were all led to believe. Right, so a lot of tomato growing uh, businesses have been seriously impacted by this. The customers are freaked out. You know, if the if the government people get on the airwaves and the media, of course, they just parrot things. So whatever the government says, the media parrots out. And so if the media is parroting out this government press release that says, look out, Americans, the next tomato you eat may get you sick. Well, what do you think Americans are going to do? Are tomatoes killing our children? News at 11. Yeah. And... You know, it doesn't matter if it's just a warning or that they're just investigating. The way the stories get spun is that tomatoes could be making you sick. You should stay away from tomatoes until FDA officials say otherwise. Well, now the FDA officials are saying, oh, looks like we might have made a mistake. It, it may not have even been the tomatoes in the first place. So but what went, do they care? It's not, it's right. not their business. Uh, more to the story... Food inspectors, again, have been traveling around to tomato farms, but instead of homing in on what caused the illnesses over the past few months, inspectors now say they aren't even so sure that tomatoes are the culprit. Several illnesses among people who ate at restaurants in Texas and other states have have forced investigators to re-examine their initial assumptions, said the CDC. More on the story and your calls as well about what you want to discuss at 800-259-9231. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. You can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. And if you like the show and want to help support Free Talk Live, we need you to vote for us. We mentioned it in hour number one. We're going to mention it again. You'll hear it several more times throughout the month. Because uh, voting for us at the Podcast Alley rankings is very important. 
When you go to vote.freetalklive.com, it costs you less than a minute of your time, mm-hmm. and it really helps us out in the rankings. We could be number one again, as we were for so many months, and I guess everybody, including us, just got a little bit lazy on it. Yeah, we just and, got used uh, to being number one. And... Well, it's easy to think that somebody else is going to vote for you when the show's number one every single month in a row. You figure, well, they don't need my vote. I'll right. Just spend one my vote doesn't else. count. But it does, because if everybody thinks that way, then we don't have very many votes. And we know we have more than 100 people listening or whatever. What, how many votes do we have right now, Mark? Like 191. We, ha- we don't even have 100 votes. I've got 1,300 people on the email list alone, and, of course, countless thousands are listening to our voices right now. Right. So. If, we, if everybody on the email list uh, and, and the people that were listening now, we'd, we'd be so far ahead that no one would ever touch us. Right. Remember, there was something that brought you in touch with this show, whether it was seeing us as number one on Podcast Alley, us on iTunes or flipping on your car radio, there was something that happened in order to introduce you to Free Talk Live. Right. And many, many people were introduced to Free Talk Live via the Podcast Alley rankings when we were number one. And Part of that be... formula is the Podcast Alley rankings and right. being number one. So we need your help. Go to vote.freetalklive.com and help Free Talk Live dominate the podcast charts again this month. Because uh, we only did fifth place last month. Yeah. And we barely pulled out fifth place like right at the last moment. So vote.freetalklive.com. Also, there are other simple ways you can help support the show. You can go to promote.freetalklive.com to find those out as well. All right, 800-259-9231, the tomato situation. I don't know if you uh, had, had heard, but there was a, a scare. And, of course, the FDA is always the agency that's behind these food-related scares. Somebody gets sick somewhere. The FDA decides to pick a product and then, you know, go after its makers. In this case, tomatoes were chosen as the culprit for several instances of salmonella or salmonella poisoning. And now the FDA, after issuing all kinds of orders... To the uh, tomato growers that were in question here and investigating and and uh, costing how who knows how much kind of cost to the tomato growers associations and these businesses. Now they're saying that it might not have even been tomatoes in the first place. Right. And, and you know, what, what can the tomato – are the tomato growers going to recoup the losses they, yeah. they suffered as a result? What no. recourse do they have against the FDA's absurd, just incorrect decisions? Nope. Because the government basically says whether or not you can – you know, sell food with their, uh, with their FDA, their FDA regulations, mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, they just get to decide. So what happened was, uh, apparently after announcing the salmonella illnesses months ago, they then investigated a bunch of tomato farms and are now saying they don't think that it was tomatoes necessarily. Several illnesses among people that ate at restaurants have forced them to re-examine their initial assumptions. The CDC says they have led us to broaden the investigation to be sure it encompasses food items that are commonly consumed with tomatoes. So what does that mean? They're going to go after cheese and bread and <laughs> dressing and uh, who knows what else comes with tomatoes. All kinds of uh, products are, are served with tomatoes. Yes. Texas has seen the most cases of salmonella with more than 300 people sick. New Mexico and Illinois have had nearly uh, 100 reports of illnesses. I wonder how many tomatoes were destroyed in this. And what's that going to do to the tomato sauce industry? Because it requires a lot of tomatoes to make to- tomato sauce. Yeah, that's the, uh, that's the information I was trying to pull up here. I was hoping to find a story with a little bit more businessy detail as far as how much damage these tomato businesses have, have really taken says here, the food industry, here's another article from BaltimoreSun.com. Uh, after consumers across the country shunned tomatoes, because remember, it doesn't matter if the FDA is right 
All that matters is the FDA says, look out, and then tomatoes. The, worry, the worry warts get to get all in a, uh, in a dither about this, and right. th- they won't eat the stuff. Yep, and the news agencies... I went out and bought some because, uh, you know, I figured uh, tomato prices would be going down, so, you know. Is it true? No, did they, I don't know. I really don't pay attention, uh, but we do have uh, tomatoes in the house. Well, so they put out this uh, scary press release, and then all the media outlets parrot it as though, you know, tomatoes are going to kill you. Or your tomatoes are going to make you sick. But there are millions upon millions of people that eat tomatoes every single day, and there are only a few hundred cases of salmonella. That's not necessarily going to be the culprit here. And, and it's, you're talking about a really small chance. The salmonella outbreak here, according to uh, BaltimoreSun.com, the admission of the mistake after consumers across the country shunned tomatoes and the food industry lost up to $250 million dollars. That's what they're saying this costs, the, uh, the food industry. So that would be the tomato growers and the distributors and the, you know, the end grocery stores that probably had to take their stock off the floor and throw it out. Yeah. Because when, when one of these FDA advisories comes down, it goes right to management, and management has to follow the advisory. That's the way things work. If they don't, don't they'll be liable. So there's a little bit more here uh, from the ABC story. In the meantime, tomato farmers want a congressional investigation into the matter as the industry stands to lose hundreds of millions of dollars over the tomato scare. Uh, One of their spokesmen said, all of these people are losing money because of this blanket statement that tomatoes should not be consumed. The investigation uh, is said will continue to focus on the entire production chain from farm to consumer. So no business will be left unmolested by the FDA and the CDC, apparently. According to the CDC, no deaths have been officially attributed to the salmonella outbreak, though the patient, a patient in Texas who recently died from cancer was also sick with salmonella at the time of his death. Symptoms of salmonella include diarrhea, fever, and abdominal cramps with one to three days of infec- within one to fr- three days of infection, and it typically lasts four to seven days. Food safety experts are still advising people to limit the amount of tomatoes they eat and to stick to types of tomatoes that they have deemed as salmonella-free. Those they've concluded are safe include cherry and grape tomatoes, as well as tomatoes sold on the vine. That that excludes a whole lot of damn tomatoes out mm. there. That's why the uh, vine tomatoes were more expensive at the grocery store. I noticed that uh, they generally are to some extent, yeah. but I noticed that, wow, those things are expensive. It, it's kind of sad, though. People expect that the FDA is there keeping them safe, but clearly they have no idea what's going on. Right. I mean, just obviously, I mean, they They're don't even bumbling. know if tomatoes. And right. this has been going on for how long now? It's this at weeks? least a month. I would say maybe, maybe a few weeks. Yeah. Yeah. So, but, yeah, it's, I mean, th- these bumbling idiots at the FDA have cost the tomato growers hundreds of millions of dollars, as well as the end, uh, well, you know, the, the, the retailers. The, right. They, well, and and the, the consumers, believe me, any losses that they experience, if you expect to have tomatoes in the future, are going to be borne out by the consumer. All these things always trickle down. And, the cost, yeah. And what was the FDA's reason for pointing the finger at tomatoes? Did they just speculate based on a handful of cases? <laughs> they did. Because it sounds like if they had actually done their homework from the start and been able to move fast enough, had they, say, been a private company that had a vested interest in how this turned out, they would have found that tomatoes may not necessarily be causing this from the get-go. Right. A, a private company could make the mistake, but a private company would then be liable for That's that correct. mistake. And the, um, the, the government, you know, because they're not liable, is more likely to make a mistake because mistakes don't matter to them. 
Right. The bureaucrats that made this decision, this completely arbitrary decision, for all we know, what they did was they asked the people that got sick, well, tell us what you had in the last, you know, 48 hours. I had a sandwich at Panera Bread yesterday, and what did it have on it? Oh, it had tomatoes. What sandwich doesn't have tomatoes on it? There's a significant percentage of sandwiches have tomatoes right. on them. I mean, you know, when it comes to, uh, to getting a sandwich, I generally forego the uh, lettuce because, you know, it just... Uh, it, it's filler. It, it really is. It's crunchy water and it has a tendency <laughs> to fall off and uh, take whatever you know dressing was on the sa- sandwich with yeah. it and it lands on your shirt i almost always just get tomatoes maybe some onions or something like that i right. you know so i get just tomatoes pretty much as far as vegetation so they brought a bunch of salmonella victims together or whatever they interviewed them all and wrote down what they ate and they said oh it looks like a bunch of people had tomatoes and i, I wonder how many of the 800 cases actually had tomatoes Did they all have tomatoes? I don't know. And if so, why are you targeting the entire industry? You think that the tomato farm that has the salmonella is going to be somehow distributing tomatoes to every single restaurant location? I mean, they just they don't have a very good way of targeting these things because they're a bunch of inefficient, stupid bureaucrats. So they just, you know, scattershot shoot the entire industry with a regulation that cripples the Tomato Association. Well, it sounds that they ha- they're having uh, a disproportionate number of cases in Texas. So it yeah. seems like logically they would work back from there. I don't know if that's what they're doing or not, but it, it just seems like tomatoes are a common enough food that they could have gotten pinned for it. And salmonella is something that happens to people every day, whether it's contaminated food or food just wasn't handled properly and something got exposed to, you know, undercooked chicken will give you salmonella. And it sounds to me like it's something that you can get through. You'll live. You'll make it to see the next week if you get salmonella and you get yourself taken care of. So... What's the big deal here? Are we missing something? Fill us in. Hour 3 is coming up. This is Free Talk Live. Provider and licensing details are available. If this is your paycheck and this is your debt, what are your options? File bankruptcy and tread water the next seven years? Or make a call for Care One Credit Counseling Services and start getting out of debt today. A Care One Credit Counseling Agency can help you get immediate relief from stress caused by debt. And you'll have one lower monthly payment instead of the pile you have right now. Call a Care One agent today and you can start saving hundreds of dollars in fees and interest payments. Care One agencies have helped over 4 million people get out of debt and they can help you too. Call 800-952-9224, 800-952-9224, and find out how you can lower your monthly payments up to 57%. One 15-minute phone call can change your life. Call 800-952-9224, 800-952-9224. This is Free Talk Live. We are launching into hour number three of the program, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, again, that's freetalklive.com. And Free Talk Live is brought to you by SACL CAI. If you've got a company that needs to try something new in the area of collections, you need to get in touch with SACL CAI. They do collections, early outbilling, and they purchase charged-off receivables. SACL's employees are trained in resolving issues for your customers and treating them with respect. 
They know that not only do you want to collect your money, but you'd like to keep your clients, too. SACL CAI. Check out their banner at freetalklive.com. That's SACL CAI. And, uh... Jason Osborne, who's uh, the, the the principal there at Sickle CAI, you'll never find a, a man who makes a you know it's trying harder for liberty in our lifetimes. Yeah, he really puts his money where his mouth is. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. Eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. We go here to Lou Rockwell. LouRockwell dot com. The man behind the website uh, comes out with an article from time to time, and this one's I think pretty interesting. It's called Grand Theft Society. He points out that a core problem with government is that its managers believe that all reality will conform to their wishes if they issue the right orders, pass the right laws, and put the right people in charge. And, of course, we've seen evidence of this particular mindset in the case of, oh, I don't know, the war on drugs or gun control, where politicians seem to believe that if they just wave a magic wand called their little veto pen or their signature pen or whatever it is that they use to sign these laws into, into place, they cast these votes and write things down on pieces of paper. If enough people vote yes and then the big man in the head office signs on to it, then all of a sudden – Automatic machine guns will disappear, and drugs will just go away. People will stop using drugs because we've written a law. Well, when it comes to drugs, they've made a bigger problem um, than with the drug war than they ever had with drugs. It's true, and as Lou uh, points out, reality resists this simple-minded approach. Witness the debacle of the war on terror, for instance. Sadly, the same group that has managed that war is now managing another one, the war on recession. Now, the tendency of these government managers is to fabricate a view of cause and effect that conforms to what they would like to do. In the war on terror, we were told the 9-11 attacks came about because shadowy bad guys from afar resent our freedom. Now, if you believe that, the answer is more militarism and killing as a preventative measure. Well, if it, yeah, the militarism, however, uh, if, if the bad guys hated our freedom so much... It looks like they won. I mean, now the TSA uh, shakes down every American going yeah. to the airport. I felt freer before 9-11 than I do now. No doubt about it. Lou says if, uh, however, you realize the attacks grew out of a desire for vengeance against American military policies, the implied policy solution looks radically different. So it is with the economy and the proper policy response to recession. If you believe there's no good reason for an economic downturn other than a wave of animal spirits and flagging public confidence, your response is to inject optimism via the printing press. Surely nothing makes folks happier temporarily than for them to find themselves awash in newly printed bills. This will lead to internal joy, consumer spending, and thus recovery. Right. When they talk about the printing press, they're not talking about good news stories. They're talking about money. Uh, yeah, printing more money, which there's nothing backing our money. And so when they print more of it, it, it's, it, it bolsters the economy. That's what they mean when they say the Fed is lowering interest rates. They're printing more money because when it comes to the Fed lowering interest rates, it's going to increase the demand for banks to take loans against that interest rate and thereby increase the amount of money that's, you know, the Fed prints in order to fulfill those loans. And when the federal government... Because the government doesn't get back any old bills, except maybe to trade them out for new ones. ones. But, you know, it's a one-for-one trade, so they're not essentially getting any bills. 
once they print the money, it's gone from their, um, you know, their, their their hands. So that's how they make more money. They, you know, print it. Right, and not only are they expecting people to go and get loans and stuff like that, they're actually literally printing money and placing it into the hands of Americans. Hence this rebate thing or whatever it is they call it. What do they call it? The uh, stimulus check? Yeah, the stimulus check. The economic stimulus check. So what they did was they just turned on the printing presses. Of course, they didn't actually have to print any of this money. They just turned it up, you know, turned it up digitally. Right. They just add some added some zeros to some accounts, and then they cut a bunch of checks, $600 a pop, more for people with children. Uh, so most taxpayers got a $600 check from the federal government, and of course the media is right there in line to, to back it up and to talk about, what are you going to do with your stimulus check? What's your plan to help the economy? Are you going to spend it? Are you going to pay off debt? Are you going to, you know, then people get all talk, oh, what are you going to do with your money? Oh, wait a minute, you, you do you understand what's happening here? They've They're just stolen money from you. The United States currency. Yeah, they, I mean it's already in bad shape against uh, other foreign currencies, and this is one of the reasons that uh, gasoline prices are as high as they are. Because if you look at gas prices in euros, certainly they've gone up, but they haven't gone up nearly as much. Right. When they print more money, prices go up. Inflation is an inflation of the money supply, not prices going up. Prices going up are a symptom of inflation. When you see the gas prices going up, that's an indicator to say, hey, government's printing some money. They're printing a whole lot more money, in fact, recently than they have uh, in, you know, 10 years ago, for instance. Well, you've got – it's a supply and demand issue. You've got more dollars chasing uh, the, relatively the same, the amount, same of amount of goods. So obviously it's going to take more dollars to purchase, say, a gallon of gas. But most people don't know these things, and so when they get a check for $600 in the mail, it's like, oh, boy, let's have a party. And, of course, many people do party. They go and blow it on cigarettes and beer or whatever. And, uh, you know, the fact is if every single person gets a $600 check, then as you said, Nick, th- everyone has that much more money, but as a result of uh, the fact everyone having that more, you know, that, that um, extra increase in money could result in prices going up because there's that extra money chasing around those same products. So this is what inflation is all about, and it's an insidious way to tax people without them even realizing it. When you print more money, and uh, essentially you're taking money from the the existing dollars that are in people's pockets, right. and you're putting it that money, the value of the money I have in the bank right now. You're putting that money into the hands of the people that you first gave that money to, and usually it goes to the military-industrial complex because of the wars. Usually they're the guys that get the money first, them or the the lending institutions, the banks that yeah. underwrite loans and lend it out to other people, who then pay it back with interest. You know. Right. That's, that tends to be who gets it first is either the military-industrial complex and or so somebody who's less. They see the greatest amount money. of value from those dollars. Oh, absolutely, because it hasn't circulated through the economy. Right. And as far as the rest of the, you know, the rest of the economy is concerned, they aren't aware of those dollars yet. They haven't seen them being spent. Right. So it takes a little bit of time for the inflation to hit home, but it will every single time. Uh, let me continue with Lou. He says that so so believes the silly political class that you can just print money and solve for a recession. Consider a different view of cause and effect, however. If the recession is a a correction to an overly pumped economic boom, then matters change. The recession, then, is not an aberration crying out for correction. It itself is the correction for the unsustainable economic bubble that preceded it. It should be welcomed in the same way that we welcome a sober day after a drunken evening or the detoxification of an addict after a period of addiction. 
Yeah, I'm not sure I uh, welcome that sober day after a drunken evening. But here again, government begins with a view of cause and effect that conforms to its institutional wishes. The recession is the problem, and the only problem, and it can be corrected through the usual means, issuing orders, passing laws, and giving more power to the right people. It gets worse. A recession contains at least one feature that turns out to be a saving grace for consumers who are hit with economic instability. In the midst of layoffs, tighter lending standards, and a riskier entrepreneurial environment, at least there are some sectors that have declining prices. At least in some areas, the purchasing power of money is rising, and this makes life a little bit easier. In times when there's very little good news, it's something to hang on to. But instead of seeing falling prices as the silver lining in the recessionary cloud, government, and the media as an echo, sees them as the cause of all other problems. So, wouldn't you know, government sets out to stamp out falling prices on the theory that if this succeeds, the entire economy will rise like a phoenix from the ashes. Now, this was the view during the Great Depression. Herbert Hoover's and then FDR's economic team was convinced that falling prices represented not a saving grace, but a mortal economic sin. They spent more than 10 years trying to make all prices rise. This, they believed, would cause recovery. They tried inflating the money supply. They tried wage and price floors with vigilante enforcement and even all-around industrial price planning. Finally, FDR tried the ultimate sand-in-your-face tactic. He went to war and sent all those unemployed folks to foreign lands to kill and be killed or to make work jobs in the military-industrial complex, the CCC, on steroids. What did we learn from that debacle? Find out here in moments, 800-259-9231, and talk to you about whatever's on your mind. This is Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It is your show, and you can take control of the airwaves via the toll-free number at 1-800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site are free, so enjoy those on us, including archives. If you've missed a moment of the show, just click and download. They're right there on the front page of the website for your downloading convenience, and they are totally free at freetalklive.com. Do you want to easily update the look of those old cabinets or that old set of drawers? Well, innerknobs.com offers a wide variety of knobs and pulls for every taste and budget. You can save 10% on your order by using code FTL at checkout. That's internobs.com, I-N-T-E-R-K-N-O-B-S.com. See their banner at freetalklive.com. Lou Rockwell from lourockwell.com is talking about the economic, uh, the, you know, the factor of recession and how the government is responding to it. And he's pointing out that they're responding in the typical way, and that is that because some prices are dropping, um, they are trying to prop them up. They're trying to, they believe that uh, falling prices is a bad thing, and so they're doing everything they can, as FDR did during the Great Depression, everything from Hoover inflating. Hoover, too. Uh, yeah. And, don't, uh, don't, don't wash the hands of the Republicans in this. Uh, the money supply, they, they tried inflating the money supply. They tried wage and price floors. Uh, they tried industrial pr- uh, price planning. And finally, uh, they went to war. Now, what did we learn from that debacle, says Lou? Let's make it official. We've learned nothing from our experience during the Great Depression. Even now, people are under the impression that falling prices cause recessions. Now, here's proof from the lead to this New York Times story. With sinking home values continuing to drag down the economy. Sorry, but it's just not true. Falling house prices are not good news for homeowners who believe they'd purchased an asset that would forever go up in price. Which... 
I think a lot of them did. Sure, but they are wonderful news for people who are shopping for homes. They can buy more for less now and avoid frightening levels of mortgage debt in the process. In macroeconomic terms, the housing bust is also a welcome event, since it was precisely this sector that was wildly ballooned during the boom. Unsound investments uh, must be leveled out before economic recovery can begin. So what Lou's pointing out here is that the housing uh, bubble bursting is entirely what was supposed to happen. They artificially inflated it in the first place. And now they told is, us all, you know, the news reported all along that the housing bubble was going to burst. And, uh, you know, people just kept on buying, expecting it to be another year from now. Right. And so this is what was supposed to happen. But government wants you to believe otherwise. Government wants you to believe that they can somehow come in and save the situation, save all of those homeowners who got, you know, the shaft on this particular part of uh, of the deal. And he points out that uh, it's really true that an economy can survive and thrive with falling prices. For instance, falling computer prices didn't drag down the economy in the 1990s. Nor did falling clothing prices, and considered the Gilded Era the most prosperous until that point in all of human history. The consumer price index fell from 47 in 1864 to 25 in 1900, which is nearly by half. Now, that's another way of saying that money became twice as valuable, in that you could buy twice as much for the same amount. At that time, um, money was backed by uh, gold and silver, right? Precisely, yeah, from 1864 to, uh, to 1900. So where yeah the IRS didn't even exist. Yet Part of at it, um, 1864 was still civil war, and uh, Lincoln was uh, printing his uh, worthless notes in order to, uh, you know, uh, back that up. Well, maybe but, yeah, that's why a it good did portion so, of it. Maybe that's why it did so well later in 1900. Maybe that's why it doubled the value doubled. Anyway, savings uh, savings in pay packets zoomed in value. This period is called the Second Industrial Revolution because of the astounding increases in productivity, population, and technology. Falling prices and sustainable economic expansion are positively related in all of economic history. So if government and the Fed succeed in propping up home prices or preventing them from falling as much as they might otherwise, what will be the result? Well, homes will continue to be overexpensive and, on the margin, unwarranted purchases. This will not bring about economic recovery. It will force American consumers to spend more at precisely the time when they should be saving and getting out of debt. There are lessons here, says Lou. One is to never to permit government to discern the relationship between cause and effect. Government invariably rules out the possibility that the structure of the public sector itself is to blame for the problem, whether that problem is terrorism or recession. And another lesson that we need is to shut down the machinery that allows government to enact its plans. If there continues to be a slice of the population that gets its kicks from issuing orders and trying to make the world conform to them, these people ought to be given a video game console to play with. The game can be called Grand Theft Society. The stakes are too high to permit them to play their games using real wealth and real lives. He's right. 1-800-259-9231. One eight hundred two five nine ninety two thirty one. Thomas Jefferson said that uh, you know banks were more um, were were worse than uh, you know invading armies. Banks? Oh, banks. That's Federal Reserve. I mean, that's a central the, bank. Right, a central bank. I don't but, see anything but, wrong but, with somewhere to store your money. Right, but it, you know that was it was the context of his quote. But yeah, yeah I mean, you know, cent- banks are always going to want to uh, you know as as do any or um, you know organization out there. Any corporation wants to get in bed with the government, and when they get in bed with the government, it's really bad news. No doubt about it. Let's talk to Fred in Montana, listening on KGEZ. Hello, Fred. Fred, Montana. Hello there. Hey, what's on your mind tonight? Yeah, I got you. You're, you're, you're hitting so many damn topics. 
let's see, when it was $600, I took that and I bought Chinese products. <laughs> that's all you can buy anymore is Chinese products. Who benefits from inflation? Whoever, uh, well, first of all, the government clearly uh, benefits because, well, it's printing the money. And then, of course, the military-industrial complex is the probably is the one government? of the, the biggest receivers of it. Well, they're, they're buddies in industry. Right. There's the, plenty of companies that make missiles. I mean, the gov- right. if the government made missiles, they wouldn't uh, hit anything. And so. as, as Nick pointed well, out, the banks as well, Fred. The banks I are call awesome. any company that, gets, that lives on tax dollars government. Uh, that makes sense, because Fred. Because salary, all their salaries come from the taxpayers. Yeah, it's true. Now, they wouldn't have any buyers if it weren't for the government, probably. Pardon? It, it, those companies, those uh, missile manufacturers, weapons manufacturers, wouldn't really have any buyers if it weren't for government. So, That's yeah. Right. Sure. And also the taxpayers paying for it. Sure. Now, Roosevelt. Now, people forget one thing about Roosevelt. Roosevelt kicked out Adam Smith in 1933 and installed John Maynard Keyes, called Keynesianism. Mm-hmm. And under Keynesianism, government could spend its way to prosperity. That's like standing in a bucket and trying to pick yourself up by the handle. Now, <laughs> yeah. do... now he didn't. He didn't kick out the the actual person, Jonathan Smith, just his uh, economic no, Adam, principles. Adam Smith. He kicked Adam out his economic plans, and he installed Keynesianism, which is under John Maynard Keyes, which government could spend its way to prosperity. They've been trying to do it ever since then. Right. Yeah. It's it's a it's a very flawed uh, economic uh, you know theory. For sure. Well, not for John the government. Rose. No, it is flawed for the government. The government's still going to fail. At some point or another, it's going to, you know, it's it's just not going to work anymore. Well, government thinks the more money they can spend, they can spend our way to prosperity, and it doesn't work. Nope, but now, yet Keynesianism like, is what is taught in pretty much every, um, you know, college around the country. So that's the kind of nonsense uh, that our college kids are learning these days. Well, sure, that, or darn right. Now, as far as inflation goes, what would be the cost of a home, the cost of a car, what would be the, the abortion rate and the inflation, the abortion rate and the divorce rate if mothers of school-age children stayed home and raised their children instead of competing with their husbands for a job? I mean, this is one of the biggest things that happened under the Civil Rights Bill of 64. They took the mothers out of the home, put them in the workforce, and we've been screwed ever since. Certainly having parents at home uh, bringing up their kids and homeschooling their kids would do a lot to help those kids uh, grow up with the values that their parents want them to grow up And that with. would be good for the economy. Thank you, Fred. More coming up. You take control. Bring up whatever's on your mind. Pictures on the Internet of death scenes in the news. It's Free Talk Live. One of the bonuses you'll get as a Free Talk Live amplifier is access to our classic archives. For just $3 a month, you can become an amplifier, and you'll help us get on more radio stations and MP3 players. Get the details at amp.freetalklive.com. That's amp.freetalklive.com. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show. You can bring up what you want via the toll-free number at 800-259-9231. That's the SACL CAI toll-free line, and it's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us on our website at freetalklive.com. All the features on the site, totally free, so enjoy those on us. Again, that is freetalklive.com, and those features include the updates. Get signed up. We keep you in the loop when you need to know something about Free Talk Live that might be fresh and new. You'll know it first. You can go to updates.freetalklive.com to get on the list. That's updates.freetalklive.com. Travel less and meet online. Try WebEx free. Go to webex.com and enter the promo code 600 
to, try, uh, to start your free trial of WebEx. That's WebEx, W-E-B-E-X dot com. Enter the promo code 600 to start your free trial of WebEx today. You can get a free webcam. It's uh, it's online meeting software, and uh, it, it, I'm sure it could be very useful for some people. 800-259-9231. We've been talking in recent times about the various different reasons the government might glom onto as far as its excuse to regulate the Internet. Uh, we talked recently about... It's going to happen, people. Uh, I know that, uh, I think it was last week, Toby, your partner over at Free Minds TV, which, by the way, you can uh, get more of Nick and his partner Toby over at freemindstv.com. Great, liberty-oriented television program, and all of the episodes are available free at freemindstv.com. But Toby brought in an outrageous story last week about significant percentages of Americans, and I know you're familiar with this because you guys covered it on your show, that are calling for the regulation of the Internet. Well, when asked if they favored you know, the government regulating the Internet, I believe it was 49% said they felt the government should, and it was a small, smaller percentage, like a 35% said they believed the government should not. And there were some people who didn't have much of an opinion, but clearly the largest grouping of people with an opinion on the matter out of out of you know typical Americans, most people think that the government should be regulating the internet. And wasn't there like a seventy three percent number that seventy three percent thought that was for the online harassment? Right. They believed it should be a crime relating to that story where a woman had created a fake MySpace account and kind of teased this this other this teenager that her daughter knew and led them to believe she was someone else and the girl killed herself and. So 73% of Americans believe that it should be a crime to harass somebody online. Just an amazingly disturbing percentage that you're talking about. Well, it's about. not it's not illegal to pretend to be somebody else, and well, depending on the context in which you do it. But if you're just having a phone conversation with somebody, you can, relatively speaking, harass them as long as you don't keep calling them. I mean, sure. in real life. But for some reason, the internet... I think it's because the internet's scary to some people, especially people who don't go on there very much. Exactly. And, and don't and, understand. And the, the woman's behavior was reprehensible, and it people was. see that, and that doesn't help. Sure, but the 20, uh, 25% of the respondents did not get on the internet at all. Another 25%, a roundabout, 25% also only used it occasionally for work-related purposes. So they weren't real heavy internet users. So a good 50% of the survey respondents aren't real internet people don't even qualify to answer the questions so, right they don't even really qualify but that's okay they answered the questions anyway right and it's so they a democracy them, so they answered them from their perspective on what they believe the internet is now, if you pull up media stories about the internet and you look at, at what the media is saying about the internet you you would believe it is some sort of a wasteland of sickos weirdos lots and of freaks. child porn everywhere yeah and I mean child pornography a bunch of people pretending to be people that they aren't and insulting people driving uh, young girls to kill themselves I mean just the the violence and the sickness that you would uh, presume that the internet is all about that's the message that you get from the mainstream media's reporting the mainstream media doesn't report on the wonders of the communications venue that the internet is how it has brought the ability to uh, for for each individual to reach out to the rest of the world with in, in very little uh, in most cases very little censorship 
or any sort of government involvement, the, um, the amazing ability for people to connect with one another, people who at one point in their lives might have felt like they were all alone, can find others who believe as they do, who like the same things that they do, whether it be liberty activists like we, uh, who have moved here to New Hampshire as part of the Free State Project, a totally Would have internet, never happened without the internet. Yep, a totally internet-based thing, or you know something completely obscure like uh, you know the furries. These people that like to get dressed up in uh, fur suits, like cartoon characters, hang out together and hang out and, and have sex with one another. I mean, this has brought people together in ways that are. I guess that wasn't the best example. It's, it's not the best example. Uh, but but anyway, uh, they don't talk about that in the mainstream media articles. How wonderful the internet is and well, all the and, good and, and news, that it has done. Uh, you just couldn't get. You, you, the only thing you really had the choice of was the kind of news that they have on the radio, the kind of news they had on the television, the kind of news they had in the newspaper. Right. Well, now you can get your news delivered to you and the the kind that you're interested in. Totally customized. And it's not news, though, Mark. It's not news that the Internet's great. It's not news that the Internet is mind-bogglingly amazing. It's not news that the Internet is the greatest communications tool ever invented by mankind. That's not news, so it doesn't get reported on. Who would want to read that story? Because it's the same story every, you know, every year. Yeah. I mean, they report on the technological advances, but those aren't front-page stories. Those aren't uh, headline attention grabbers. What does grab people's attention are stories like this. From ABC News, with just a few mouse clicks, you can find pictures that are too graphic to show in the mainstream media. Images of horrible accidents, mutilations, and deaths. There's an internet subculture devoted to death and gore with thousands of images, each bloodier than the next. This was, you know, <laughs> they make it sound so horrible, but there were movies out in the 80s. I remember uh, when I was in high school that it was a big deal to rent Faces of Death. One, oh, yeah, two, three, four, yeah. five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. I don't know how many of them there were, but you know, there were a lot of them. They're probably still going. I, I, I'm sure. And, you know, they were they were gross things, admittedly, but they were interesting to see usually video it's taken something you don't see every day usually it was somebody who had a you know handheld camera or whatever with their buddies doing something stupid and an accident happens and or, happened to be caught on tape or you know an execution in a foreign yeah. country or um you know just some, somebody who happened to be there with a video camera they collected the goriest most grotesque video clips they could and they put them out and released them on these faces of death tapes right so you're pointing out this was going on before the internet right part. this is this is not a new phenomenon with the internet but that's okay, because most of the people reading this article aren't going to necessarily be aware of that or find that relevant to this. Because there's a family involved and a pretty young girl in this oh, that's particular a, that's story. that's always an issue. Uh, so let's continue. They talk about how there the, there's this internet subculture obsessed with violence and death. Nikki Katsouris was an 18-year-old college freshman living in California with her parents and two sisters. She loved to shoot videos with her camera, and ironically, it was a camera that would memorialize Nikki's life and death as a gruesome and macabre joke on the internet. It all started with a typical fight between parents and teenager when Nikki got caught sneaking a cigarette in the house. Nikki broke the house rules, and we had a disagreement. I took her car keys away, said Christos, her father. Katsouras had no idea the next day would be the last time he'd ever see the daughter he called mm. Angel. How awful. As I was walking out the door, I kind of winked and blew her a kiss, and she winked back and flipped me a peace sign. He recalled, I said, bye, see you at 2.30. She said, love you, bye. Then her family says Nikki did something out of character. She took the keys to her father's Porsche 911 Carrera, a car that goes 0 to 60 
uh, in less than five seconds. She Pretty fast car, yeah. had never driven the Porsche before. According to State Highway Patrol reports, at approximately 1.45 p.m., Nikki was traveling 100 miles an hour uh, when she clipped another car and lost control, going across the lanes over the median and slamming into a concrete toll booth. She was killed instantly. Now, the founder of Reputation Defender, a company that helps clients such as the Katsuras family remove items from the Internet, said that her head was more or less cut in two and sort of Gosh. cleaved and then smashed. It's nothing that anyone should ever have to see. The Katsuras family was told they should never see the photos from the scene of the horrendous accident. I agree. But... As the Katsuras family was grieving for their daughter, the accident scene photo showing Nikki's mutilated body suddenly appeared on the Internet. They didn't even let me see my daughter, and now the whole world is seeing my daughter, recalled her mother. The family soon began receiving anonymous emails and text messages that contained photographs of the accident, including pictures of Nikki's decapitated body, still strapped to the crumpled remains of her father's Porsche. A fake MySpace page was created, which at first looked like a tribute to Katsuras, but also led to the horrific photos. We'll continue this discussion here in moments and take your calls as well. 800-259-9231. Does this make you want to regulate the Internet? It's Free Talk Live. This is Free Talk Live. It's your show, and you can take control of the airwaves even in these remaining moments. Toll-free number, 800-259-9231. The SACL CAI toll-free line. <clears throat> toll-free line. It's Ian here with you. And Nick. And Mark. And you can join us online at freetalklive.com. The features are free, so enjoy those on us. Uh, once again, that is freetalklive.com. We are asking that you vote for the show. It is so important to us to be number one over at Podcast Alley. And for a number of months, we were number one. I guess we kind of uh, got a little lazy, rested on our laurels, and our listeners slowly dropped off from the voting process. We forgot to remind them, and they forgot to vote. Yep, so we're going to remind you a number of times this month in hopes that we can reclaim the number one position. We've skyrocketed through the numbers uh, this evening. We went from number 10 to number 5 now, and... Uh, but still with less than a couple hundred votes, though, right? Yeah, yeah we've only got... Uh, Hovering around 100. We've got about 100 votes, and then the number one show has about 250. So. All right, so it wouldn't take a whole lot to no, jump up to first place. Just a few place. people out there in Radio Land just uh, jumping on and uh, doing it right now. Yeah, so if, if a fraction of our radio listeners went and did it, we'd easily be number one. And if uh, a larger fraction of our Internet listeners did it, we'd uh, certainly be number one. So take a moment and go to vote.freetalklive.com. It's easy. It's quick. It's free. It, your email address won't be sold. It won't be spammed. So vote.freetalklive.com. All right. So we're talking about the Internet, actually, at the moment. And yet another one of those feet in the door for government regulation. This is going to be another one of those uh, things on the laundry list of excuses that government is going to have uh, when it presents its proposal to regulate content on the Internet. How are they going to go about doing it? I don't know. Someone predicted the other night that they might uh, put, uh, put the screw to the Internet service providers. Maybe not even put the screw to them, but, uh, but actually bribe them. Uh, essentially pay them bounties on people that are searching for things that are off-limits. So whether it be, uh, the, of course, the always vile child pornography, or whether it be, uh, let's see, what, what else uh, are they, they targeting uh, on the Internet? Is child pornography is one of them. 
Gambling, of course. Oh, gambling was one. Yeah, we didn't even talk about that. Then there's the people posing as other people for the purposes of uh, hurting someone's feelings. So you can't hurt anybody's feelings on the Internet now. That's going to be coming out Don't forget that the governments aren't getting their fair share when it comes to taxes Taxes, from uh, things sold on the Internet. They're going to want a piece of all that action. But there's more now with the uh, death of Nikki Katsouris. At least this is bringing the uh, the issue of Internet sadism to the forefront. Uh, these people on the Internet who are obsessed with death, their favorite thing is to look at websites full of uh, dead, bu- uh, mutilated bodies, corpses, uh, just disgusting, gross stuff. There's a lot of it out there. What's one of them? Rotten.com? I think that's probably one of the biggest sites. So if you want to see what some of this is all about, you can. there's, there's no shortage of dead people photographed. Just pictures of poo on Rotten. Really? Is that right? I thought Rotten had a lot of death. They, they death may photos. very well have that. I just, uh, you know, that, that's, that's what strikes, you know, comes to mind for me. I'm sure if you typed in autopsy photos into Ugh. Google, you'd... Well, Ogrish.com so no is a big one. That I'm... Which one? Ogrish.com. Ogrish. Yep, yep. That, that is a big one. They've so. even got videos over there at Ogrish. Y- yes, they do. Uh, so there is quite a culture out here, and the ABC News is uh, taking the opportunity to capitalize on it by reporting and alar- you know, doing an alarmist report about how... And it, this is a tr- sad story, by the way. This family, their 18-year-old daughter uh, essentially s- stole her father's car and uh, took it out on a joyride when she wasn't allowed to drive anything. Uh, she took it out on a joyride at 100 miles an hour, clipped another car, careened across uh, you know, several lanes of traffic right into a concrete toll booth, and she died instantly. Her head apparently cleaved in two during the impact, so the pictures happened to be particularly grotesque which is why they ended up on the Internet. And apparently the family began receiving anonymous emails. I mean, these people took it way too far. It's one thing to post the pictures on the Internet. It's another thing to spam the family with photos of their own dead daughter. That's pretty sick. No, it is. So there's no doubt that we're dealing with some sick efforts here. Absolutely true. But it's the Internet. And you can get anything from kids' websites to the sickest of the sick. You can completely control your experience. And I guess that in the case of the family, they weren't really in total control because they were receiving emails that were unwanted. But if there's an attachment, you could always not open it. You could always not look at it. You never know. Um, Yeah, I agree with you that that that's a a possibility. But you don't know. I mean, if these people were sick enough to to send something like that, they could be sick enough to say something like, oh, uh, important that you look at this. Yeah, but if if it's not from someone you know... If you're not expecting, like, if you're not expecting to receive a attachment from someone you know, then there's no reason to open it. There's no reason to see what it is. I don't know who you are, so why would it be important for me to look at what you've sent me? Uh, but nonetheless, this story is going to be yet another uh, another arrow in the quiver that government is going to shoot when it's ready to propose uh, internet restrictions. It's going to say we can't have this going on. These these sickos are releasing these pictures on the internet and they're hurting the feelings of family members. And that is indeed what this story is all about is how the feelings of these family members have been hurt by finding pictures of their daughter on the internet. But you might ask, how in the world did the pictures of the daughter get on the internet in the first place? Who would possibly do such a thing. Yeah, that, I, I did wonder how they got on that quickly. Because only some people would have access to the, the accident site, Sounds right? like the government Police people. Police department, maybe? 
Yeah, let's try the state police. As a matter of fact, the pictures were taken by the California Highway Patrol, and they were emailed outside of the department. The pictures became so persistent that uh, the mom, in this case, stopped checking her email. Her sisters were forbidden to use the Internet, and 16-year-old Danielle was taken out of school to be homeschooled out of fear that her peers might confront her with the pictures. The Katsuras family has filed a lawsuit against the California Highway Patrol for allegedly releasing the accident scene pictures. Now, the California Highway Patrol, in this case, if they do pay out money to this particular family, if you know the the judgment comes down in favor of the family, right? Which um, it's very difficult to, to sue the government because, sure. well, they have all the money that they need to defend themselves, and uh, you know, hire the best lawyers that they need to do it. And, well, you know, and it has to be clear that some kind of a tort was committed. That you could argue that the pictures were public. I mean, they may have been public record. I'm not sure how it works in California with accident photos, but not sure either. Generally, I mean, if it's not a criminal matter where the the evidence needs to be protected. You you could probably at least get the report on the incident. I don't know if the photos would come with it, but it seems to me it could be public record. They're going to have a tough time tracking down who leaked the photos as well. I mean, certainly you might be able to figure out who was on scene, but there's no way to guarantee who it was that uh, that sent these out unless he used his government email address and you can track it back to that so that person is not going to be found responsible very very unlikely he'll be held responsible for taking that action so if any money is paid out it'll be the taxpayers essentially that will be paying these family members for their grief for their problems but you might ask yourself well how could the free market handle this differently how would the free market handle this differently it would seem pretty obvious to me that uh, in the marketplace, you would have a system of private roads, roads owned by private people, and of course insurance companies would be involved. It would be the insurance companies and the private road owners and their uh, agents that would be doing any investigations on uh, accidents that happened on their roads. And there could very easily be privacy protections uh, engaged in those contracts to where you know the road owners want to make sure that uh, things like this don't happen to their customers. So they have an absolute lockdown on uh, pictures getting out. And, and if somebody does leak the pictures out, then they could be held personally liable for doing something like that. I'm not saying it wouldn't happen in a free market society, but there could be a whole lot more safeguards put in place that would really result in something uh, that could, br- you know, someone could be brought to account for doing something like this. I, I agree with that, but uh, even even if we could just get rid of these sovereign immunity laws that the, uh, go- the government officials have, um, where they can be held personally responsible, because the person who released these photos should be held personally responsible, and they should um, carry the uh, punitive damages, but not wait, the taxpayer. But wait, but wait, Mark, there was no agreement in advance. Right. What and I'm talking about would be a private uh, situation where there would be an agreement in advance to, if you get in an accident, your information is private. It's not public. I think that there is an agreement. You know, I think there that, is no agreement. I think that people, it's public info. That people dude. want to, you know, want to see this kind of information protected. The only well, agree, I, but I, it's not slander. I mean, what? what no, no, I'm not. What, I'm not saying that it isn't. But what do you, that it is? Right. People want that, Mark. But government doesn't respond to what people want. Only right. the marketplace does. People that. want that, and you know, a jury would find against this person for an abuse of their their position. Perhaps, or at, at the very least, they'd be fired. I, knowing people who work at private ambulance services, if you leaked, you know, if there were photos floating around internally of an accident scene, probably not a big deal. If you leak it out, you know, to the internet and it, it becomes a publicized story about this, which would be very bad press for whatever private agency would have, you know, taken the photos and then, you know, let them leak, whoever 
released that would be fired, most likely, if they could track the person down. Yeah. yeah and and it wouldn't be easy to track this down in, in any circumstance. 800-259-9231 was our number. Let's go quickly to Vince. you got 20 seconds, Vince. Last word. Go ahead. I'm going to vote for you guys. <laughs> <I was laughs> Thank you for that. I was on the podcast, but the, the one thing I wanted to say about uh, I listened to uh, another radio show, and the guy was trying to tell this gentleman. You know what, Vince? Call us tomorrow on that, man. Out of time, my friend. More tomorrow night. It's Free Talk Live. See you then. You ever have one of those days where everything goes right? First, I get the best parking space at work. Tonight, I have a date with a very lovely Rachel. And today, I gave a killer presentation in Sydney. Finalized the contract in London and demoed our new product in Boston. Online from my desk with WebEx. WebEx lets me take meetings and give presentations from my desk. I just talk to clients on the phone and they watch what's happening on my desktop from their desktop. So I can travel the world and still be here for my date tonight with Rachel. Travel less, meet online. Go to WebEx.com and try WebEx free. Just click the radio graphic and enter promo code 600 to get a free trial and a free webcam too. Remember that code 600 to qualify for the free webcam. WebEx, now part of Cisco and used by more than 5.5 million people every month. Give it a try. Free. Go to WebEx.com and enter the promo code 600. W-E-B-E-X.com. Free webcams available while supplies last. Terms and restrictions apply. See website for details.